So today I want to talk about this idea of making art for the other. I think it's a, a really layered topic and one that we can get caught up in a lot of different feelings, beliefs and, and thoughts about and that we can kind of tie ourselves up in knots over as well. I think it's something that can be helpful as well as a real challenge. And so that's kind of what I want to explore today. And this came up when I was working with a client and talking about their desire to, to make art again from a place that was for them from a caring, nourishing, supportive place for them. Whereas previously they felt that they had been so caught up in making work, making their art for others, for this other, for pleasing others, for, for doing what is expected from others and all of these sorts of things. And I think we can really perhaps beat ourselves up for having these thoughts of the unknown other in our arts. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, about kind of who that other is. But we can really beat ourselves up and, and sort of put a load of shoulds of, I shouldn't be thinking of this and I should just be making art for myself. You know, that's something that maybe we might see a lot on social media or kind of hear other people talking about a lot is make the work for yourself and only for yourself. And well, we're just going to dive into that because I think it's quite nuanced as with so many things, right? So I guess from my perspective, I, I, I kind of feel like when we're making art, there is always an other involved in the process and where I'm coming from is from my own background primarily as a theatre maker and and now as I kind of navigate my way not out of that but into perhaps a bigger and creative space a multidisciplinary space a, a yeah allowing myself more freedom I'm thinking about that more, but I think as a theatre maker, it's perhaps very, very prevalent in that I believe the work isn't fully finished until an audience sees it. And I feel that the audience is one of the makers of the work. And I have always really considered the audience in the way that I make theatre and theatrical experiences and encounters. And that has only continued really to, to strengthen and, and deepen how I do that and, and how it's really a big part of how I consider what I, what I want to make moving forwards. So that's where I'm coming from. And perhaps in other art forms and other creative practices and mediums, perhaps there is less of a thought of that. I don't, I don't know. Now, this client that I was talking to works more in visual arts so you know I know for sure there's still that thought there and, and and I think whatever medium we're making in 
whatever creative work we're doing, there is always somebody to receive it. There is always somebody who is, you know, if we're writing, there is an imagined reader. There is an imagined viewer, experiencer, audience member, participant. But as I thought about this, one of my wonderings was, well, is that always there? Is there always that other? Or do we sometimes just make art for ourselves and ourselves alone? And I definitely think it's true, you know, that we, we have our creative practice and sometimes all we need to do is create something to really nourish ourselves or to really help ourselves through something. And actually it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if that is seen by anybody or not. But what I wonder in that instance is whether the other becomes us. We are the desired audience for the work. We are the desired perceiver. A, a different part of us, a different version of us. And so if in that case it is the self, a version of the self that fulfills that role of other. Now, the other thing that I, I think is really important to address is who this other is. So we've just touched on that there saying that, you know, sometimes maybe it's us, right? And I think what can happen, and I know this has happened for me, and I, I think this has happened for clients I've spoken to and other artists that I've kind of spoken to, is that the other becomes the institution, that art form in general, <laughs> the gatekeepers of the prized, you know, whatever it is, positions, awards, funding, etc. for that art form. So the other becomes the the people who make the quote-unquote rules or the people who determine the shoulds or the people who have a lot of power, maybe because we give them the power, to determine if we're good enough or not. Or the critics, right? Becomes, you know, the other becomes the reviewer, the one who can give us five stars. And again, that's someone who wields that power, right? And I think when the other that we're making work for, or not for necessarily, but they are in our minds, is that, that figure of authority or power or gatekeeper or that thing, that person or that group of people that represent the institution or that we're kind of within or the um, industry that we're within or however we want to phrase that, that's when it can be really challenging and it can be actually detrimental to us. That is something that can stop us making our work. And I, I know that to be true from my own experience and from other people's experience, um, clients I've worked with and, and people I've spoken to. However, when that other that is involved in in some way 
in our art making, when they are sort of present in our creative process, we may be thinking of how we want them to experience something or what effect we want to have on them or what questions we want to encode within them. When they become the audience and the, you know, those who experience the work, audience is what naturally comes to me given my theatre background and we don't consider that we have power over them but that they are co-creators of the work regardless of whether we create in, in that kind of way you know obviously some people do literally co-create with the people that the work is for you know in in workshops in uh, courses in they, they actually make the work together regardless of whether you're doing that if you're considering that group that person as part of the makers of this work as part of the people who fulfill this this i don't know journey of the idea i suppose from its inception from you receiving the idea from you starting to work on it to it kind of I'm thinking about seed now. So you kind of receiving the seed, you planting it, watering it, nourishing it, really tending to it in a really gentle um, you know, way and tiny little sprouts coming up and then starting to see it come out to its full shape and full bloom. Then if that other is, is part of what makes it come to its full fruition, its full bloom, its fullness, carries it through that journey, I think that's okay. <laughs> I think that's that's great. And I think as long as we remember that we don't have any power over them, we don't have any control over what they think of what we make, and we don't, you know, we, we can set our ideas for how we'd like them to perceive it and what we'd like them to experience, but we actually don't have any control over whether they experience that or not. And that's part of the beautiful thing, because actually then we can see our work and our idea being taken, taken somewhere different, like going somewhere we didn't expect it to, finishing its journey to fruition in a different way, because it's in the imagination and it's with the creativity of somebody else who is part of that process. And so I think if we remember those things and and I guess this is a really vital piece that is very challenging we hold that all very lightly with some detachment where we'd, we're not clinging on to the people receiving it well. <laughs> we're not clinging on to needing the validation to feel like we're good enough as an artist, a creative. Then I think that's a really beautiful part of the process, that inclusion of this other. And I will say, I think it's important that there are stages where that other is not part of the process. And that's something I personally find very challenging is if I'm at the start of making a piece of theatre, for example, I can really quickly jump to um, more towards the middle or end of the process of thinking, OK, well, how, but how am I going to want people to experience that? How, like, how will that actually happen you know, on a stage? How will that actually be, be put on stage? What will it look like? And I have to kind of keep that part separate because at the beginning stages, if we go back to that kind of seed analogy, at the beginning stages, when you are really tending to something 
and nurturing something and just being with it in quite an intimate way. <laughs> I don't know who's doing intimate gardening. Um, <laughs> maybe that's gone too far. But, you know, when you are... We're going to stick with it. We're going to stick with the seed. You know when you are... Um, you have planted a little seed. A little, little seed in its little pot. And it's got a little fine bit of soil over it. And you're not, like, really putting loads and loads of soil on it. And you're not stamping it. You're not going to squash it. And you're watering it. But you don't want to overwater it. You're not going to, like, pour loads and loads on there. And, like, you know, you're just going to let it be in its, like, nice little warm environment. And have the right temperature. And just, like, you know... <laughs> uh, it's quite... I was going to say it's quite needy, the little seed. It needs all these specific things. But, um, yeah, you're not going to throw all this stuff at it, you know. It's not resilient yet. It's quite tender. And when it when the little shoots start coming up, and when you're, you know, maybe you planted a load of seeds and you, you've got loads of them have come up and you need to start separating them out, you're not going to just yank them. You're going to be very gentle, right? And then you're going to place them in their own pot and they're going to start to grow bigger. So if, if you're listening and you've, you've never planted a seed in your life, you're going to be like, well, here you go, there's a lesson. Or, or you're just going to be wondering what's going on. Point is... It's a ten- there's a tender time, I think, when you, re- when, you, when you start working with an idea or on a creative project where it's okay for it to be tender and for it to just be the, the two of you. You know, if, if you work alone, it might be that you work in collaboration all the time. It's okay for you to just be a smaller group and to really incubate that and to not allow the outside voices in and to not think about that other at all because it is too early. And then as you, as you continue tending to that idea and you spend time with it and you continue working with it and you, you start to see, ah, this, I think this is the shape that you might have as a thing, you know, as a project. If it gets to that stage, you know, because it doesn't always, I suppose, it doesn't always get there. Um, sometimes we might just be like, oh, all I needed to do was write this poem about this or draw this picture. And actually, I feel like I fulfilled that desire to explore that. And that was kind of just for me. And that in that case, you know, you're that person who is, the one who completes the work by seeing it, right? But if you keep going and going and you sort of see, oh, this is taking shape into something, I can see it's going to be this painting or this series of collages or this this uh, collection of poetry or um, this play or this, you know, whatever, whatever you're making, this film, um, this thing that cannot be defined that has film and collage and, and spoken word and, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> then... We might consider that that's the point where a plant has become established from the seed and we can kind of see what it is, what it's going to be. Then we can start maybe bringing in that other and start thinking, OK, well, who, who do I actually want to experience this? Who, who is this for? And how, what experience do I want them to have? And you start inviting that in. But you don't start inviting in, <laughs> what, what do I want the critics to think of this? Or... Can I, can I make this win this award? Or is this going to get me this lauded position? Or I don't know. Um, and I say you don't. I'm not saying you won't. <laughs> I'm just saying we, um, that's best to try not to, maybe. And to notice when we do do that. And to just bring ourselves back. And I think final thing I want to say on this topic today is just a bit of a bigger picture kind of look at this in that by 
making that other presence in our creative process, those who are going to receive it and those who become kind of co-creators in that way and trying to not allow it to be so much the critics, the gatekeepers, those with the quote-unquote power. Um, is that a quote-unquote? I mean, they do have the power, do they? I don't know. Okay, Ooh, dubious, that one. All right, anyway, those people, you know, who represent the institution, we start to, I think, address the imbalances of power take some of the power away from them, return it to ourselves and return it to the people that we're making the work for. And return it to the work itself, actually, you know? And I think that's important. I think if we want to change the landscape of the creative industries, of being a creative and an artist in this society, which if you're listening to this, then I'm going to assume that you do. Then that's important. It's really, really important. And yeah, there's probably going to be thoughts, senior thoughts come up to, to my mind of like, well, yeah, but sometimes it is nice to win an award or to get funding um, or, you know, to get this grant or whatever. I think this is going to be a topic for another time. I need to think some more about that. But definitely, I think it's a, it's a um, countercultural, I suppose, like many of the things they talk about, act to remove that power from those groups, from those gatekeepers, from those ones with the power, and bring it back to ourselves, to our ideas, to our creative practice, and to those who are co-creators of the work that we make through receiving it in some way. And so, in summary, I do think, in summary, not writing an essay, but just to wrap it up, I do believe that there is always an other involved in, in our art making process a yeah another who is the one who will receive it they are not always involved the whole time but they are always there and that's okay it's okay for them to be there it's very helpful for us to recognize which stage we're at with an idea whether it's that really tender intimate stage where actually we want to just not have that those voices those external things in very very helpful and then helpful for us to notice when it's the stage when we do want to invite that voice in and then when that voice is coming in when that that um, idea of that group or that person is, is there noticing who it is noticing is it actually who we want it to be you know we're actually giving the voice to the right people for us for the project and then letting it be okay not like being like oh god I'm doing this wrong because I'm caring how someone's going to perceive this it's okay it's always okay so I'm going to leave that there for today. Those are my thoughts on that. Would love to hear your thoughts on this kind of subject and have a little conversation across different mediums as well. It'll be really interesting. And I'll be back again soon with some more thoughts on something else. 
little reminder before I go that I have, as of the time of recording, four spaces left to work with one-to-one coaching clients for the rest of this year. So if you are a creative or artist who is feeling the need to have some support, some support to to work through kind of some of these challenges that come up with our art making practice, our creative practice in the society that we live in when there's so many um, shoulds or people that we're trying to please or things that can tell us we're not enough or boxes that we try and fit into and you really don't want to fit into the boxes anymore and you want to just create a practice or evolve your practice so that it is supporting you, nourishing you, um, allowing you to make the work that comes from the heart, that is honest and true to you, whilst not destroying your well-being and really supporting you, um, then yeah, get in touch. I'd love to work with you. You can have a look at my website. I'll pop links below. Um, you can book a free curiosity call. In fact, I like that you do book a free curiosity call just so we can connect and just check in, see if we are right for each other. I will never pressure you to to buy the coaching you can do what feels right for you um but yeah four spaces left for the rest of the year so if you are interested then i would recommend taking a look and booking a curiosity call in soon so that we can get going if it is right for you